What's up, Gateway family? This is Jordan Canastracy here. For today's episode of the Gateway Leadership Podcast, we are releasing a session from our Inspire Leaders Conference from Eric Butler, and he is going to be talking about some important factors in our influence. It was such an amazing conference. And actually, what we're going to be doing is all this month, we're going to be releasing the sessions from that conference exclusively on the Gateway Leadership Podcast. So without further ado, get ready for Eric Butler. Thank you. Amen. Let's just have a seat. We're just going to talk briefly for a few moments. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Man, that's, that's good stuff, man. You can feel that, can't you? That's why I had to just recuperate, man. I've been going across the country, zipping back and forth. I said, I got to recuperate before we minister again. But thank God for grace. Amen. And uh, I want to just start out today by just giving you just a little bit of a, a title here just for this. And we're still on a factor of influence. Uh, hidden factors that influence your leadership more than you may think. Hidden things that influence your leadership that influence your leadership more than you think. These things influence our leadership more than they, we think, and they are so important. I'll tell you a bad story before I get to the good stuff. It's not real bad, but it's, it was difficult. You know, in the last couple of years, I've battled with health issues. I've had two hernia operations, one in the stomach, one in the groin area. Uh, I, sometimes when I'm preaching, I get tired real fast or my legs start hurting it's, it, because I can't, I'm an intense preacher. And so a lot of times when I'm actually preaching and I say something real loud or sharp, I can feel pain a lot of times and I get to the end of the message. Not today though, amen? Not this weekend either. And I've been, I've been confessing and, and quoting and every morning I get up, I'm healed by the stripes, healed by the blood of the lamb. I just quote that and, and, it, and it works, but by the way, it does work. And I'm telling you this, but also I was diagnosed with an uh, enlarged heart. I've been diagnosed uh, uh, this year with, uh, or last year, whatever it was, last two or three years, with um, uh, bad kidneys. I've been diagnosed with, um, <laughs> they said the man ain't going to make it. <laughs> and with diabetes. Back in April, uh, I was sitting in the parking lot of a farmer's market type store where they sell fruit and vegetables. And I was sitting there getting ready to go in the store. And all of a sudden, I went blind this year. I went blind. I couldn't see. And I was just sitting there by myself. And I was like, whoa, whoa, what, what's going on? I couldn't see the store. I could hear the carts, but I couldn't see people pushing the carts into the store. And I sat there. I said, this is something going on here. And so I called, I called my doctor. And it was a Saturday, and they, it was, of course, the emergency team was on. They said, you got to go to the hospital immediately. Well, I had sugar levels up. They were off to try at 600 were the numbers. Yeah, this is in April. And um, I was there, and I have never had insulin all my life, never had it. And they had to give me that that day. And I had a high blood pressure rate that was ridiculous, 199 over 175 or something. And I sat in the, in the hospital bed on the Saturday afternoon. Nobody knew I was in there because everything happened so fast. And I didn't call my wife till I got in there and got set in. They, you know, stripped me down. And uh, that's my 1883 talk. They stripped me down. And, uh, <laughs> and, 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 and I was in there. And I was in the hospital with one of those little robes, you know, a frontal robe, but, you know, everything else. And uh, I'm in the bed, man. It's 2 o'clock in the afternoon. They said, get him in there, you know. 
And I'm in the bed, and and, and lady said, she said, we can't even find your your ratings. They're off the charts, and they were a little nervous. But I had this peace that came over me. For some reason, I had this super, super, super peace. And I sat there, you know, in the hospital, they give you a bed. That means you're going to stay a little while. And uh, I was laying in the bed, and, you know, the television was on, and I clicked on the Yankees. I watched the whole Yankees game from about 2 o'clock to 5 o'clock. And at 5 o'clock, they said, well, you can go now, you know, and, and they had done all this stuff. But it all happened because the enemy has been after me for years to try to mess with me. And I've, got, I've received a prophetic word in June when some guests came to my church, and they prophesied the exact word about my health being better. Well, let me just tell you this. First of all, the diabetes thing is not there anymore. No insulin. I've never taken it again. That was the hospital did that. Amen. Blood pressure's back down to normal, and I've got good health care, but I had to watch myself. And one of the things I had to do during the season was change what I was eating. So I can't eat soul food like I once used to love to eat that soul food. Mac and cheese, collard greens, cabbage, kale, peach cobbler, fried chicken. Oh. <laughs> I had to pull back on that. Now, I still eat a nice piece of chicken every now and then. I ain't going to stand here and lie to you. <laughs> but all chicken eating is in moderation. Can you say amen? But uh, a lot of these things happen. And what happens to you when, let me just talk to you in sincerity. Every time you are anointed, like you come out of a place like this, a conference, you're lifted, your spirit is lifted, your calling is lifted, you feel strong, like my brother said today, calling yourself who God calls you and this and that, and you begin to come to a sense of awareness, the enemy starts to realize that, and he comes to attack you. And so, you know, old me, the athlete that still can play ball, if he, if he had a ball, I could still do it, but it ain't the same. A lot of that is here, but the legs are gone. You know, you're jumping this high off the ground. The reflexes are much slower. And you're fooling yourself. Help the brother, that's right. <laughs> and so that's why I stopped playing ball. I stopped playing basketball because I was playing with these kids. And uh, I was playing defense. Like, I'm going I'm to I'm body you up, man. You know, boom. You know. And then one kid threw a pass. And I could not get out of the way. I saw the ball coming. I saw it coming. I said, he's throwing, in my mind, he's throwing a pass. Here it comes. Boom. And I twisted my back really bad and ended up with sciatic nerve condition. I said, that's it, I retire. I can't do it anymore. I go by myself and shoot a little, a jump shot every now and then. All alone, you know. Get some little five-year-old. Throw me the ball back, son. Throw me the ball back. Want me to chase it down, mister? Yeah, go over there and get that ball for me. Get that ball for me over there. (laughs) But what we're talking about is simply this. There's several things that are very, very important to you in ministry that influence your ministry. Number one, the weight of leadership. The weight of leadership that can come on you. And when we begin to prophesy different things that will move forward in your life, oh, my God, uh, and begin to prophesy different things that move forward in your life and all these callings and expansions and growth, the weight of leadership is very important, what you carry. And I've noticed in my life when I began to be in ministry, 
I didn't come up a normal way. I'm a strange dude. I'm like an Elijah-type character, for real. It's just a weird life, and take me a week to tell you all about it. But my point is this. Every time I've moved from one office and one calling, one dimension, the weight became heavier. The weight became heavier. And when I moved at from, I'm still pastoring, but it's not the same as it was in the beginning. You know, I've got a lot of people and they do most of this stuff now and it's a lot lighter, it's a lot different. But the prophetic is heavy on me and the apostolic is heavier on me because I preach to preachers now. But when you do that, when you start to function in these places, the weight of the ministry begins to weigh on you a lot more. It weighs on your mind, it weighs on your body, it weighs on stress levels and all these particular things can happen. The weight of leadership is the sense of responsibility that you carry. When you oversee a network like this, I can just imagine your, your pastors here, you see an overseeing network or what we do with even MFI. You know, we've got churches that we oversee in our particular regions. And as you know, MFI's got 10,000 churches around the world and all this crazy stuff. That's the apostolic. And that weight of leadership starts to come upon you. It's responsibility. And you know what? It never turns off. It just keeps going because God, he builds you from the, from the beginning up so you can carry the weight of his glory. So a lot of things that you're going through, you that are coming up in ministry, you're being built to carry the weight. And yet the weight is very important because it's hard to shake the weight of leadership. You feel it because you're a leader and you're more likely, this thing is acting up on me today. Stop showing off. Okay. You feel it that way because it comes to you. And I could tell that's what was happening to me. When I shifted over, when they asked me to be a part of the apostolic team, something happened to my body. And it was like everything started breaking down. I was like, what in the world is going on? I'm an athlete. I can still ball, you know. But the weight of it, the responsibility, the thought patterns, how you think about life, ministry, everything. Your kids started to grow up. They started getting married. All these particular things combined, it produces a weight, and it influences your leadership capability. So what can help? Uh, lift off this weight sometimes, naming what the weight is, doing something fun, playing ball, going to movies, going for horseback riding, whatever, playing golf, whatever you do, going out. That can help lift things. A lot of preachers get into this thing where they just, you know, preacher, preacher, preacher. They're one-dimensional. And they don't know how to broaden things and have fun. You got to have fun. You got to laugh a lot. And that's why I like to laugh. Prayer will lift a lot of it off you. Talking to a friend or a mentor who understands will lift a lot of it off you. The second thing, let me just give you this scripture that goes along with that. In 2 Corinthians eleven twenty eight, Paul said, besides the things that are without, that which <clears throat> is with me daily, the care of all churches. The care of all churches. He said, along with everything else that's out here, I've also carried the care of all the churches. What a wonderful passage. If you could help me in uh, Acts 20, I don't know if they can get the scripture on the screen real quick. In Acts chapter 20, maybe around verse 28 or something, you, you see Paul talking to the uh, 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 elders in Ephesus when he's about to leave. And the language in which he talks to them with is so beautiful. He says to them, you know, he says, day and night I've been with you. I've held nothing back from you. I've held nothing back privately from you. He said, but day and night with tears and we've been together. I'm just paraphrasing. 
And then he says, after I leave, grievous wolves are going to enter in and try to destroy the flock, but you've got to stand strong. It was the weight and the words of the weight of ministry coming out of this man's heart towards these elders when he was about to leave them. So we have to understand the first thing that can influence your leadership, influencing your leadership. Okay, there it is. Um, It can influence your leadership is the weight of ministry. Number two, pace, P-A-C-E, the pace. Oh, the pace. My goodness. Let's look at this. The pace. Many leaders run hard, but you can only run hard for so long. For many, it's been too long. Any leader can run for a season, but even if you avoid burnout, eventually it becomes counterproductive to run hard all the time. I know. It is so, I have the craziest life. I just told you, I was just in Portland last Thursday. Uh, and, and went back home and, and came out and went back home and then came here and I'm going back home and when I get home, uh, I'm going home tomorrow night and when I get home on Monday morning at 7 a.m., I've got to drive to Connecticut for one more conference that I'm a part of. People, it's, life is crazy and a lot of people want to be used by God and say, you know, use me, Lord. We pray those good hope prayers and you don't really know what you're saying. But anyway, <laughs> I had to learn. You start praying that. He says, okay. He has no problem using you. And so I'll be in Connecticut for Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. And it's a crazy pace that you run at. Okay, pastoring, doing this, doing that, all kinds of things. But we have to realize that we can only run hard for so long. We've got to pace ourselves. You've got to pace yourself. What, what happens? Because what will happen to you, your moods will change when you don't pace yourself. Your fatigue will rise when you do not pace yourself. Your productivity will drop when you do not pace yourself. And the bottom line, you cannot sustain a fast-paced life. Smart leaders ask themselves, am I living in a way today that will help me thrive tomorrow? If not, why? We have to actually live a life and pace ourselves so that there's always a tomorrow for us. Now, now many of you probably haven't been running like this yet, and you will find yourself doing it. Because even pastoring a local church has a lot of running, has a lot of responsibility. The scripture that I look at, Paul said in 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 27, Know you not that they which run in a race, they run all, but one receives the prize. So run that you may obtain. And everyone who... strives for the mastery, is, is temperate in all things. So I run, not as uncertainty. The passing translation reads it, for this reason I do not run just for exercise or box like one thriving, uh, throwing aimless punches, but I train like a champion athlete, and they're very careful. A champion athlete trains very carefully when they train. They know what to do. They know how to do so many reps. They do this, they do that for an hour and then they stop. I got a guy in my church, he's a, a bodybuilder, I call him Muscle Mike, and he's cut. This dude is like, he goes to those body shows and gets greased up and you know, all this stuff. You should see him. I mean, he, he ripped off his shirt one day and I ran. I said, what? He, he said, yeah, Pastor. I said, well, how do you do this? And this is what he told me. He said, I don't eat a lot of food. He said, I, I eat small meals, small meals. He talks real fast. I eat small meals. And he's, he's racked. This dude is like cut. I was like, man. He said, I eat six times a day. He said, but I eat small meals. He said, then I do my exercise this time and do this and do that. And he goes all over the country with these bodybuilder shows. 
You know, he wants to win and become the professional so he gets paid and all this stuff. But I listened to what he said, and he had a strategy as to what he was doing. So the second thing in your life is pace. How fast or how slow are you running? It has to be at a pace. Number three, lack of sleep. Whoa. Lack of sleep. That's one for me. I've written about sleep before. I've become a sleep hero. The lack of sleep <laughs> can wear you out. The lack of sleep can wear you out. I'm just going to skip to the scripture that I put with this. Psalm 127, verse 2. It is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows, for he gives his beloved sweet sleep. God wants preachers and people in the ministry to rest properly six to eight hours a night. I'm telling you, it works. It works. I had to change everything. All those things were wake-up calls for me. Like, son, get it together. You want to last? I was, I was starting to think about going home that year. I kept talking about, well, I guess I'm, I ain't going to see Amy no more. <laughs> I called my youngest daughter. I said, I, her nickname is Bubbles. I said, well, Bub, I, Dad, what's wrong with you? I don't know, Bub. I might not make it. <laughs> she said, you ain't going nowhere. And then, of course, they start getting on you. And then I get prophecy saying, and yea, thou shalt live a long life, says the Lord. <laughs> All because of sleep, because I'm a night owl. You know, I'm, I'm like this guy that I, because I have all daughters. Well, they were little. They've moved out now. They're grown. But I felt like the guardian of the house. Like I, everybody goes to sleep and I'm still up just in case something's going to jump off. And I would stay up every night with that mentality. Of course, you know, I had help with, -na -na, da -na -na. I had a little help. That's ESPN. But um, jokes are flying by, Lord. They're flying by. But I would stay up thinking that I had to protect the house. And that would be my little quiet time when I would be with the Lord reading or just talking or just thinking, processing through the day. But it catches up with you. Because you can't do that and then pop up again at 6 o'clock. Four hours, three and a half hours, because it will catch up with you. Number four, let me go on real quick. Number four. The amount of time since your last break. What that means is simply that you have to take breaks. Leaders are famous for taking little portions of time off. Because we are driven. We want to see the project done. We want to see this ministry up and running. We want to see this happen. We want to do our best. We want to make sure this is that and that is this. We become perfectionists and we will work and work and work. That's one of the reasons why God calls us. He knows who will do the work. But we have to take breaks. Number four, Song of Solomon 2.10 says, come away with me, my love. Come away with me. Take vacations don't feel bad. I remember in the early days of ministry, I felt bad when I went away. You know, I really did because I, I, I'm like, I'm gone. I'm missing a Sunday. That's sinning. You miss a Sunday, you're sinning. You know, and I felt this stupid mentality come on me. Like, if you do this, you're messing up. You're not there for the people. Well, they go on vacation. So I started watching, you know, Pastor, we going to the Bahamas. Oh, Nice. Pastor, we went, we went to Cancun. It was so beautiful. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> Pastor, we going to Puerto Rico, and then we going over to uh, Nick, uh, um, Cuba, somewhere. They tell me some place. I'd be like, oh, that's nice. And I wasn't going anywhere. 
Well, I woke up one day. And I said, bye. And I'm getting ready to take a three-week sabbatical next month. Three weeks. And I'm pushing for a month. Yes. With pay. <laughs> but we have to take breaks. Number five, number five, number five. <laughs> this is a big one. The fifth thing that can influence your leadership ability is what's happening at home. Too often leaders think they can separate what happens at work from what happens at home. One thing about ministry, ministry never ends. And I always say that, you know, people leave jobs on Friday, they say, bye, 4.30, 5 o'clock, I'm out. I won't see Jimmy till Monday morning. Ministry is not like that. It never ends. It never ends. It's always something going on. Leading poorly at home always impacts how you lead at work. Just like you carry the weight of leadership around with you wherever you go, you also carry the weight of a bad marriage or a fractured family with you wherever you go. If you win at work but lose at home, you've lost. Wow. I didn't know it was going to be that quiet on this one. I read this last night and, and was quiet. <laughs> but this is true. Number five, what's happening at the home life, the family, the kids, if you win at work, you lose at home. This is very important. Paul said that this one thing that he did, and he, he applied it to the high calling of God. But the high calling of God, the portion of it is your family, your home, your marriage, your love life, your extended family members. That's ultra important, ultra important. And sometimes we get so much zeal and, and passion for the things of God and we keep going. But what's happening at home plays all the difference in the world. Number six, constant connectivity. Constant connectivity. You can leave work, but thanks to your phone, work never leaves you. Work never leaves you. Some people like to be connected to everything. That's the age we live in. Stay connected, stay connected. I'm so sick of staying connected. I want to disconnect. That's right. Turn it off. You got preachers. A man was telling me not long ago, he said that he had to repent. Well-known preacher said, man, I had to repent. He said, because I was answering the phone more than I was praying in the morning. The first thing I would grab in the morning was my phone instead of grabbing the Bible. It's a true story. And this mighty powerful men of God that said this. I said, really? He said, I was so guilty and I was so messed up and, and I couldn't stop. And the first thing I'm looking at is texts and emails and who was doing this and what was going on and staying connected. And that stuff is addictive. Yeah. It is absolutely addictive. Okay? You see, we have to understand that the phone, the social media, the Twitter, the Instagram, we got to let it go sometimes. Shut the thing off. I'm thankful that I lived in a generation where we only had one phone in the house. Some of y'all remember that. My house, we had seven kids, and you had one phone that was downstairs. Brrr, everybody started running. Eric, it's for you, man. Come down here. Yeah, he'll be here in a minute. One phone. Wasn't no phones on the hip. When I was in sales years ago, we had beepers back in the 80s. I used to have to pull off the road, you know, we had no GPS, we have a Randon and, and McNally map. I had to pull off the road. Am I talking to somebody here? Pull off the road and, and 
Okay, I'm right here, I'm right here, okay, I'm right here. Y'all don't understand that. At least it gave you privacy and time to think. You had to find a phone booth on the side of the road, call in. Yeah, I'm, I'm at such and such a town. I'm in San Jose right now, yeah. David Cannon Tracy's Church. Yeah, I'll, I'll be back in the office by 3.30. Now, this is all in your hand. And it's getting worse and worse. And people are literally addicted. You ever lose your phone? How do you act when you lose your phone? Every mood from hell comes up out of you when you lose your phone. Bar short of cursing, you're searching like you lost gold. Where's my phone? You see my phone? Where's my phone? Where's my phone? You're looking in the car up underneath the seats. You're looking in the couch and the chairs. You're looking in the bathroom. You're looking everywhere because you are desperately desiring to stay connected to nothing. Because most of the emails are junk emails anyway. Number seven, okay, number seven, number seven. Your spiritual state. As a Christian, you believe everything starts and ends with God. Oh. All right, well, that's it then. That's... I had two more, but she said, and <laughs> all right, let me just finish this. I don't want to blow the time frame. Your ability to give love is directly related to how deep you, deeply you receive love from God. This is very important. Your spiritual state as a leader is a series of withdrawals and deposits. It's so important because people are always pulling on you all the time. And you're always making deposits in this person, that person, this family, that family. And it, it, it can be draining. Nobody likes to say that, but it can be draining. I like watching that little show, The Chosen. There's an episode when they were arguing back at the camp and Jesus was out ministering all day. And they were so into arguing with each other, they forgot to protect them. They forgot they got weary. It was nighttime, probably 10 or 11 o'clock, and he comes staggering back to the camp. Anybody ever see that one? That touched me when I saw that. I said, that's the ministry. And he just says hi to everybody and goes to bed because the pull on his life. Your spiritual state is important. How is your prayer life? Are you still sharp? Are you still hearing God? Are you still waiting upon Him? Are you still singing, worshiping Him privately? Do you still have joy in your heart when it comes to the things of the Lord? Because ministry can steal the joy of ministry from you because it becomes work instead of a blessing. Number eight, nutrition. And I already talked about this. Almost all food is brain food, but not all of it's good. But all of it affects your brain. And if you're paid to think like we are, your nutrition is critical. Skipping meals, loading up on sugar. Otherwise, eating poorly impacts everything from your energy levels to your blood sugar level. Hello. And the levels of your ability to think clearly. Okay. Nutrition. Watch what you eat in this age. Because there's so many things. I'm breaking that one down. Eating correctly is very important. Very, very important. It might be simple, but it's very important. Last one, number nine. Number nine. A change of venue. Change of venue means 
You could be in a single venue for too long. You could be in a single place for too long. Sometimes you have to step away from the screen. Sometimes you got to step away from the desk. Sometimes you got to just go for a ride. Sometimes you got to leave the church building. You got to get away from the venue. That's the truth. You got to just, I'm out. I, I got to get away from this, you know. Uh, and this is so important. You got to get out to get refreshed. There's, these are some of the things that can affect and influence influence your leadership capability amen let us pray father thank you so much for the peace that's in this place today and the love that is here today thank you for this family of believers lord thank you for your wisdom that you give us even so practical and yet spiritual at the same time god we thank you that you love us so much that you even have detailed and marked out carved out even nuggets of wisdom for us to live by and we bless you today and thank you in jesus name amen God bless you. thank you for listening to the gateway leadership podcast with david canastracy inspiring you to lead in every area of life we'll be releasing a new episode every month so be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts gateway city church is one church that meets in multiple cities to find us or to learn more, visit mygatewaycity.church. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you right here next month.